spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. This is the Kane's Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the host of the Kane's Corner Podcast, Adam Gold. Welcome, Kane's Corner Podcast Live Edition, and we'll be joined by a new friend and an old friend in a matter of moments. Brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina for everything you need for the exterior of your home. Uh, that might even help out the interior of your home, the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. Actually, uh, about 20 minutes from where I am right here in beautiful, historic, scenic, rural Oxford, North Carolina. Uh, A lot of things to get to tonight. Uh, I will tell you right off the bat, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Hurricanes broadcast. We're going to talk some wagering, uh, and we'll talk about the team. Uh, but I do want to start very quickly uh, with like uh, odds and ends, notes, schedule, housekeeping type stuff. And uh, this we saw the schedule. It came out this week. We should all be very excited. And we are recording this Thursday evening on July. What is this? July 16th. And uh, two weeks from yesterday is the Hurricanes exhibition game. Everybody gets to tune up to get loose. And the Hurricanes and Washington Capitals will do that uh, on Wednesday, August, I believe it's August 30th. Is it 30th or 29th? Wednesday, August 29th. Um, and it'll be the Hurricanes and the Capitals. Uh, and all, by the way, the Hurricanes are in Toronto. Uh, that's where the entire Eastern Conference is. And that's where our friend John Forsland is going to be, although we don't know which games he's going to do. Uh, but uh, the Hurricanes will start their exhibition game on Wednesday. That'll be a 4 o'clock game. You can hear it on 99.9 The Fan, uh, 3.30. Uh, act, uh, actually, no, it's not 3.30. It is in, uh, in fact, it'll be a 3 o'clock storm watch. That's right. A 3 o'clock storm watch, an extended storm watch starting at 3 o'clock with Alec Campbell, uh, who for the second straight week, by the way, is not here. Uh, then the uh, the games proper, the qualifying series, the NHL wants us to call it a qualifying series, not a playoffs because the uh, the first and second rounds will be next. First round, then second round, obviously, and then the conference finals, and then the Stanley Cup finals. And you'll be hearing all about that throughout uh, the, uh, the late summer into the fall uh, as we continue this podcast uh, until the Hurricanes uh, win the Stanley Cup. Saturday noon against the New York Rangers. Monday, game two, also noon against the New York Rangers. Then Tuesday, so that's the first back-to-back the Hurricanes will play. I believe all but one series have one back-to-back in it. Uh, The Hurricanes will play Monday at noon in game two, and then Tuesday at eight in game three, and then games four and five, if necessary, Thursday and Saturday are to be determined in terms of time because we don't know who's going to be left. And frankly, I'm not entirely sure we're going to need those two games because uh, I think the Hurricanes are going to dispatch the Rangers in three. I'm being overly over-the-top optimistic. I do like the Hurricanes to win if you've been paying attention to what I've been saying uh, at all. We don't have uh, television networks yet for any of the games except that we do know that every game uh, that we've just mentioned will be aired on Fox Sports Carolinas. Trip Tracy as an analyst, Mike Maniscalco will be filling the gigantic shoes of John Forslund, as he did, by the way, for many playoff games a year ago. Uh, and Abby Labar will step up and handle interviews uh, in Mike Maniscalco's place as Mike fills in for them. I shouldn't say even th- I shouldn't even say fills in for John, right? Uh, I should say, uh, does the game. Because, uh, frankly, I think at this point, the chances of John Forsland being the voice of the Carolina Hurricanes are really, really small. Uh, And we're going to talk some odds with uh, Michael LaBeouf of uh, the Action Network in just a couple minutes. 
but so we don't have networks yet. NBC has not set their schedule. I, I assume NBC is going to want some of the Rangers and the Hurricanes. Hurricanes did pretty well when they were on nationally last year, especially in the playoffs. Uh, and the Rangers, of course, are uh, the Rangers. Real quick, uh, read through all the protocols, uh, phase three protocol, phase four protocol. Uh, I have to be I'm very impressed with what the NHL has done. Uh, they have thought of everything. They even reminded players when they wash their hands, in parentheses, written in the document, in the protocol, uh, that wash your hands for 20 seconds, sing happy birthday twice. So I have this image in my mind of Jordan Martinuk singing happy birthday twice as he is washing his hands uh, five, six, eight times a day. I do it. I do it. Um, but I like to sing the happy birthday that they sing when you go to Chili's or something like that. Uh, anyway, so uh, the, I think the NHL has done a really good job. I think whether it's a stroke of luck or a stroke of genius, the fact that they're in, in Canada uh, and there are very few active cases on the ground in Edmonton or in Toronto uh, is remarkable to me, but uh, that's the way. I mean, it should be uh, an absolute uh, – I, mean, I, I think they're going to be able to pull it off. And uh, if you had asked me a month ago, I would have said – Long shot that any league is going to be able to pull this off. Uh, but I think the NHL is in fairly good shape. The Hurricanes have gotten through four days of training camp. And uh, I don't believe a player has – I don't think they've had anybody missing from practice. The only person missing from practice has been Brett, Brett Pesci, and he's unable to participate at this point because he's still recovering from the shoulder surgery. And we'll talk about Pesci and the defense in a little bit. Uh, so the COVID numbers look – uh, promising for the league, Bet more promising than the NBA's COVID numbers look, more promising than Major League Baseball's numbers look, and certainly more promising than the uh, than any college sports look. And uh, the added benefit is that the NHL doesn't have to cancel uh, any additional sports. They don't have to uh, discontinue sports because uh, they only have to worry about the NHL. Uh, we've seen some comments. If you want to comment throughout, we'll certainly work those in. Uh, if you have any wagering issues, we'll get that to Michael LaBeouf in a little bit. Uh, Dustin does say that the situation with John Forsland shows ignorance by Tom Dundon. Uh, we will address that with Luke Takak. I know he has written about it. I wrote about this on June 30th when it was about to become obvious what was going to happen. And... Um, Look, it's a uh, it's a difficult situation to uh, to deal with as a as a fan. Um, John was the connection, has been the connection to the fans uh, for the entire twenty two year history of this franchise here in Raleigh. Or I guess it's twenty one. No, it's twenty two year history. Uh, they started play in the win in the fall of eighty seven. So uh, to twenty. 22-year history here in Raleigh, and uh, Forslund has been a huge part of everything that they have done. And uh, it's, honestly, it's disappointing. Um, but we'll, we'll address that. Uh, Dustin will address your comment uh, when we talk to Luke DeCock a little bit, uh, a little bit later on. Uh, but we're happy for Mike Maniscalco, again, getting a chance to do some playoff games. Uh, and uh, that is very cool. So let's talk a little uh, little bit about uh, wagering and all that. Michael LaBeouf, who is the NHL editor for the Action Network, I think as much as uh, communicating with you, Michael, and texting, uh, my favorite thing about you is your Twitter handle, at the big Lebowski. Uh, uh, the, the Twitter handle abides. It's close. Yeah, the Twitter handle. The Twitter handle. I, I was always shocked that I, that I that I could get that one because I I joined Twitter I guess in 20, 2009, and it was still available at that time. So I got lucky. Very good for you. Uh, also, you did the podcast Islanders Anxiety Pod. Uh, we won't bring up at all what happened last year, if that's okay with you. We we did a we brought that up <laughs> enough enough for everybody and on that podcast. Oof. Man, if if that Devon Taves goal stood, you know, in game two, I think we're talking about a different uh, different situation. Well, real quick about that before we get into this, how you look, how you are looking at this, uh, you know, this set of playoffs and everything's kind of weird. Um, but my feeling that entire playoff series was that 
Uh, games one and two, I mean, could have gone either way. The Islanders could have maybe should have won game one, had the lead in the third period. Should have won game one, didn't. Carolina, at that point, the, the momentum building off of the game seven double overtime win in Washington, you had a team that was with a ton of confidence. Um, but, you know, it could have gone either way. And I, I talked to Rod Brindamore after that series, which was, a, I, I thought, a deceiving sweep that, um, honestly, it was a bounce here or there, and it could have been completely different. Yeah, it's weird because the Islanders kind of had that same thing pan out with their series against the Penguins. Right. Where it was a lot closer. It was a sweep, and it was a lot closer. So I guess it was a little regression. But I remember t- I texted my buddy, uh, who's a big Islander fan, the night that the, the Hurricanes won, and I said, if, if the Capitals had won that series, I really thought the Islanders were going to the Eastern Conference Finals because uh, I thought the Capitals were such a uh, false favorite. And, uh, man, if only, if only. <laughs> All right, let's get to uh, let's get to some uh, some numbers and things. Michael LaBoff, again, the NHL editor for the Action Network. I was talking to a mutual friend of ours, Jason Sobel, who is a golf reporter for the Action Network, who mentioned to me that you like Carolina in terms of a value pick in the Eastern Conference, maybe to win it all. Uh, and I've and I've seen the range anywhere from thirty to fifty to one. Mm-hmm. Uh, to win the Stanley Cup, where do they stand right now, uh, and why do you like them? Yeah, they're in that. They're kind of in that sweet spot of uh, you know between like thirty-five and fifty, and I, I think it, you're, they're getting priced like the team that they were pre um, in that in those last couple weeks before the break because that's just that's all bookmakers really have to work with. And you're you're in a weird spot with this group of with this set of playoffs because you can you shouldn't be betting off of that. You, you, you need to take a look at a bigger picture. Um, and the cur- hurricanes, their five on five numbers were spectacular. Mm-hmm. And then Dougie Hamilton got hurt and right. with they're just a different team. And so they're still being priced like the team that with the, that doesn't have Dougie Hamilton. <laughs> so I think you're, you're there's no doubt in my mind that they're the best value on the board from a Stanley cup uh, futures perspective. The problem is, with every, just like with any team in this qualifying round, a best of five series is such a coin flip. Doesn't matter. I mean, you could be playing the Senators or you know the Sabers or a bad team, mm-hmm. and it's still a coin flip because we've seen you know you see hockey. It, it's just it's it's such a crapshoot. Um, so if they can get through that Rangers series, I actually think the Rangers are pretty overpriced because, like I said, they're being priced like the team that was playing the last two weeks before the break, the last month that was before the break. Right. Um, so I actually, if if the Hurricanes can get through that, I think they can really give um, a, a good run to uh, you know Boston or or Tampa Bay. Michael LaBeouf, NHL editor, of the Action Network. It's interesting the the overall numbers for the Rangers and the Hurricanes seem pretty similar, uh, but in I don't know if the Rangers are favored to win the series. You know the Hurricanes are favored to win the first game, but I think the Hurricanes are slight favorites to win the series even though the Rangers swept them all four games. And Henrik Lundqvist, I think the last time he lost a game to the Hurricanes, I believe he was in grammar school. <laughs> yeah, the, oh man, I've been dealing with a lot of Henrik Lundqvist in my <laughs> life, man. It's, it's tough. It's tough. I, I just no, always no. say any, any goal he let up was like a minor miracle for a little while there. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the Hurricanes are, are, you know, slight favorites, but it's like I said, you, you, there's almost, it's almost like there's almost value on taking the underdog Rangers in the series, but still betting the hurricanes to, to win the Stanley cup, just because like I said, it's best of five hockey is just such a crapshoot. Uh, doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's going to be what goalies gets hot, what, what team right. is like in, you know, in shape and, and kind of clicks right away. I think coaching is, is going to have a, a much bigger impact than people realize. Cause these guys are going to have to figure out different scenarios and stuff. And, uh, I think I, I think I'm pretty bullish on Rod, Rod Brendamore as a coach in general. I think he's he's just a, a smart hockey mind, and he obviously gets the game, uh, and he knows how to manage his players pretty well. So I'm I'm pretty uh, I'm I'm bullish on the Canes. It sounds weird, but I'm much more bullish on them, big picture in terms of the playoffs, than I am on them against the Rangers. Uh, totally understand, it. and it's it's hard to overlook the overall numbers against the Carolina against the Rangers have just been it's really been one sided, and there's no I mean the Hurricanes won a game last year at the Garden, and it was, whoa, what happened here? Uh, and then, of course, this year uh, they just got uh, they got skunked, and they got Mika Zibanejad, Ed, if you can even say that. He had seven points in three games played against Carolina. Uh, Michael LaBeouf, NHL editor, the Action Network. Uh, the favorites, Boston, 
Colorado, Tampa, Vegas. Those are the four teams that seem to be all, you know, in single digits to one. But I want to talk more about value here, if we could. Um, looks like Pittsburgh and Washington both have incredible value coming out of the East. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's weird. I'm I'm shopping much lower down the board. I think Pittsburgh, especially, like they. I think the Canadians actually are a good bet just because of the number so big. It's eighty to one. Yeah, uh, right, that if they, right. if, yeah. If they can get through Pittsburgh, like you know, we're talking once again. We're talking NHL playoffs where anything can happen. You get an eighty-one team, eighty to one team in the in the playoffs. Come, I mean, it's just it's that that's absurd value. But I I'm I'm pretty. I I think the Penguins. First of all, a team that was just mangled by injuries all season. So right. you're gonna get you're getting them full fully healthy. I think it's a pretty fair number, eighteen to one. But that that I can't bet on a team that's eighteen to one, twelve to one because that has to deal with a fi- uh, best of five series before they get right. into the playoffs. I think if if you sit back on the Penguins, I think I, I wrote this about the the uh, Golden Knights too in my playoff preview piece. That for me, that they're, they're the team that I think in the West that most intrigues me amongst the among the favorites. But I would sit back, I'd wait to see who their opponent is. Maybe if if you know the odds betting markets obviously are fluid. If if their odds you know spike a little bit towards you know that twelve to one range, maybe if they lose game one, they could be interesting just because they have two goalies who both can have shown that they can get hot and carry a team. I mean, we saw a firsthand on Long Island with uh, Robin Leonard last year. Yeah. Like he, he was just spectacular, and Flurry's obviously uh, capable of doing that kind of stuff too. So the, of of those of those favorites of those groups, in, you know, under twenty to one, I think. Uh, the the Knights are probably my favorite, but not just yet. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's hard. Um, uh, is there something about Washington you don't like? They're going to be one of those teams that doesn't have to play a top five. And I saw them uh, like twelve to one or something like that. Yeah, they're interesting. They're five on five numbers. They always the, the Capitals are such a tough team to bet because they're I, I'm when I'm betting I, I look at five on five numbers. I almost right. drown out basically everything else. Um, and I, I like to buy buy low on teams that are not their results aren't reflected as, as reflective of how well they play five on five. And the Capitals just don't really play that great five on five hockey. They don't control play because they don't really have to. They can get they have moments right. of magic from Kuznetsov and Ovechkin, obviously Oshi. They have so many game breakers they don't need to. So they're always a little overvalued in my eyes. But like you can't, I can't ever call any, especially in this. In these playoffs, I'm I'm never gonna say to someone, no, no, that's a bad bet because you know it's twelve. You're getting twelve to one on your money, so right. why, why why not? And and that that's another team. Ilya Samsonov was was very good in his first kind of full tour of duty in, in the right. NHL, and, and Brandon Holpe has done it. So you know why not? That's a that's their look. If like I said, if if you, if you want, if you think twelve to one is a good number on the Capitals, go for it. But, but like I said, I'm I'm focusing further down the board, especially in the beginning. Uh, what about Dallas out west? Uh, St. Louis is also, I think, I saw ten to one. That seems like good value for the yeah. Stanley Cup champions, uh, who were one of the best teams. And I think, uh, for me, the three best teams in the West that I saw all season were Colorado, Dallas, and St. Louis. I thought they were all better than Vegas. I know how good Vegas is, though. Uh, but the best teams that I saw in the West were the three teams from the Central Division. Yeah, the the West is is much more the the teams are kind of like it's more spread out the east is, is so top heavy with boston and and tampa bay uh whereas the west those guys are going to beat up on, an, on on one another that you're really going to have to if, if you're like I, I i put a bet in on the wild they're going to need to have things break their way from from a scheduling per, uh perspective to they, they're going to need like maybe one of those teams to get upset and then another right. team knock them out and then you know sneak <laughs> through whereas in the east you just kind of need to avoid those two teams and in the west you can't avoid any of those four teams that you mentioned i of those group of that group i think dallas has the best number uh, just because they are, they have the highest odds like i i think they're all pretty pretty close in in terms of their actual talent and teams uh like their their actual uh, team talent and, and their goaltending picture i i just think dallas just because they're at, hanging at that number is is probably the best value i i if you told me just to pick if you gave me even odds and, and every team in the league and said, all right, pick the Stanley Cup, uh, the two teams that are going to play in the Stanley Cup, I'd say Tampa Bay and St. Louis. Tampa Bay and St. No, Tampa, Tampa Bay is the – they, do they have the best odds in the East or is it Boston? It, it's, it depends on the sports book, but they're basically interchangeable. Um, I think I just – it's 
Boston's game, like it, 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 it wears you down over time and it takes like, they, they, they really just get a full season under them and they, they come at you like this by the time that they're it's April, they're just firing on all cylinders. Like they're, that makes me really nervous about them on a, on a five month break. Whereas Tampa Bay is, is, it's much more talent reliant. Boston is having seen them up close last year in this situation. Uh, they play with a level of skill and grit that not a lot of teams uh, have. All right, before we let you go, Michael LaBeouf, NHL editor of the Action Network on Twitter at the Big Lebowski. Uh, he also does the Islanders Anxiety Pod. Uh, what uh, you know, what other angles are you looking at as uh, as the playoffs are getting ready to start? And it starts on Saturday. And also, how do you process home ice advantage since we do have two home teams? But there will be no fans. So Edmonton is playing on their own ice. Toronto is playing on their own ice. But there are no fans in the building, so they don't. We don't have that element. Yeah. So that's actually a really, really interesting thing to to keep in mind because bookmakers, for as smart as they are, they might not. They might still price the home team like they're the home team. So right. if if you if you notice that, especially in the first couple of games, I would just you know you're going to have to bite the bullet and back the dogs in a lot of situations and uh unfortunately like you're whenever you bet an underdog you need to understand that you're, you're going to lose that bet more often than than you're going to win it but you're still going to over time if you if you're picking the right ones you're going to you're going to uh, make money over time and i think that sorry my dog is is, is going nuts over here what but i think a dog you have? he's a pitbull pit bull named elvis very Not, nice yeah yeah he's a great he's a great pup but uh he wants to be on the show the uh who's he I like he he's a he's a Blue Jackets fan because my, my oh, friends really? think I they think I named him after Elvis Merz Lickens. Oh okay, but, well, okay. I can, who who isn't who isn't <laughs> naming their uh, their dog after Elvis exactly. Lickens? At this point, you would have named it Merz Lickens. So. Yeah, exactly. But it, right. but I, I just think that you, you you need to keep an eye on that because I think that the favorites will be overvalued, uh, especially in the early going until the market adjusts to say okay, like there actually is no home ice advantage because the only advantage you're going to have is is that last change. Um, Right. So, in each game. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's like what I was saying about the coaching is like a, 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 an astute coach. And, and I think that the Islanders probably have, have the best coach in the league pound for pound and Barry Trotz. Like he's going to find a way to, to, to match, he, whether it's matching lines or whatever, to, to take advantage of whatever that sliver of home ice advantage is. Uh, whereas maybe some other ones aren't. And so I just think, but I just don't think that any, there's any reason to val to, to lay juice on, on big favorites in any of these games. And, and I rarely do in, in hockey to begin with. Um, so I just would keep an eye on that. that. That'd be my piece. If you're betting uh, game by game, my, my number one piece of advice would be like, if you think that the home team is overvalued, they probably are. Michael LaBeouf, NHL editor of the Action Network. I thank you very much. It was fun. We'll talk. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk Canes Islanders when we get to <laughs> whatever we get to. All right. If we see, maybe yeah. it'll be in the conference finals. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Awesome, hey, man. Is is great having. Uh, thanks for having me. It's great being here. Thank you very much. Uh, my best to Elvis. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. He appreciates uh, it. All right. Cool. All right. That's uh, that's Michael LaBeouf. And now my friend Luke DeCock, uh, columnist, sports editor, news and observer. Uh, I thank you very much for doing this. You look pensive already. I uh, appreciate the uh, the pensive appearance. Uh, shall we start with the news of the day? I know you wrote about it. Uh, and, I mean, we both wrote about it on the 30th or the 1st uh, when it became obvious that this is probably where we were headed. Uh, John Forsland, uh, I looked at his Twitter bio. His Twitter bio says NHL on NBC. It doesn't say Voice of the Hurricanes for – uh, you know, in Raleigh for 22 years, it says NHL on NBC. Uh, your your quick thoughts on how this transpired, and you know how we how we should feel about it. Well, I can't tell you how you should feel about it. Um, I think most people most people feel the same way. <laughs> um, how it transpired is not complicated. I mean, I think it's pretty clear at this point, after however many years, uh, that. Tom Dundon will put money into the team. He'll spend to the cap. He won't spend money on coaches or broadcasters or what have you. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's that's the way things are. So when it came to Chuck, when it comes to John, when it came to Tripp, who ended up signing the deal they offered him, these people are judged as, for lack of a better word, expendable. Yeah. No. And, well, it's, and that's, that's very true. 
the way things are. And and you and I would probably do things differently, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not our team. It's not our toy. We don't get to push all the buttons. And in this case, the decision was basically made that people are going to watch the television broadcast no matter who's on it um, or not watch or whatever. Right. And they were content to lowball John Forslund, lowball Trip Tracy. Trip took the deal. Johnny said, I can't live on this and, 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 and essentially walked. Now, the bizarre part of this, the crazy part of this, there's still no finality to it. The Hurricanes keep saying, oh, the door's still open. Like, Forslund's going to come back and take this terrible deal. But they're also not moving off that position. And Johnny's not going to take that deal. So, like, I think you and I and anyone who pays attention to the stuff and talks to people knows that Forslund is, I mean, I would never say never, but knows that Forslund is almost certainly gone. Um, But no one will actually come out and say that. You know, Johnny doesn't want to say it and close a door that could potentially reopen it. Who knows what happens? And the Hurricanes won't, you know, they they won't put an end to this, I think, because they don't want the bad publicity of saying he's gone. They want to just say, like, oh, you know, this is this is his choice, which technically it is, but it's not much of a choice. So, you know, how you should feel about it. I mean, you're talking about, you know, I think the best American play by play guy in the game. Some people would say best overall. Uh, And I love Johnny. So it's really hard for me to kind of take a stance like that and not feel like I'm being biased. But I don't I don't mind saying that. You know, I, I think he's clearly the heir to Doc Emmerich and should be. And I think, uh, you know, when I say best American play-by-play guy, I need to res- give respect Doc. I think Doc is is number one in the U.S. Right. But Johnny, I think of the team guys, is clearly number one, at least in, in my mind. Uh, and, and this is something that is going to be a huge adjustment for people. Um, you know, but in the end, is Dundon right? Will people watch regardless? Probably. Did they listen to the radio regardless? Probably. Did they throw a fit about Chuck and everyone just kind of went on as normal? Absolutely. But I think, you know, you could get rid of Chuck because you had Johnny. Mm -hmm. And you get rid of Johnny and now you kind of lost that front-facing person for the franchise. I mean, this is the guy whose voice is on the message when you call PNC. (laughs) Like, this is not just some TV guy. This is someone who, in many ways, especially during a period of considerable turmoil, uh, became the face of the franchise and was uh, 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 the owner spiritually in a way that Pete Carmanos never tried to be. Right. Uh, And Dundon certainly isn't trying to be, um, you know, that that person who's out there in the community. So, uh, yeah, it's 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 really hard to think of the Hurricanes on TV without John Forslund. It's hard to think of the Hurricanes at practice without John Forslund. Yeah. Uh, but this is the, for lack of a better word, business decision that they made, and they're betting fans will watch no matter who's on. You know, they talked with Jason Shia, who filled in for Forslund several times, the Checkers Checkers broadcaster, now out of a job since the Hurricanes moved their affiliation out of Charlotte. Yeah, although uh, that's but, not official, we could just say. I mean, it's going to happen. Speaking of things that they won't officially, like, uh, right. speaking of, you know, <laughs> they shoot horses, don't they? Um, yeah. But, you know, poor Shia you know, does everything he can to put himself in position under the assumption that if Forzen left for NBC full time, he would be the heir apparent. Um, and so first the Hurricanes pulled their affiliation and he gets loses his job and then he doesn't get the job he wanted. I'm not saying he was owed it or anything, but he certainly right. did what he could to, to make himself a candidate. Um, and, and that's nothing against Mike Maniscalco, whose name we haven't even mentioned, who clearly, you know, has been around this franchise for a long time, got his shot to do radio play by play. Um, you know, it's been a good soldier. Uh, probably you could say he has earned this opportunity and is now stuck in what for him and for anybody is an extremely difficult, awkward, uh, uh, you know, uh, a conflicted position of being the guy, one, being the guy to take over for John Forson, which wasn't going to be easy for anyone, but doing it after Forson was essentially forced out the door, someone who, you know, is, is a friend. Uh, And a mentor and someone who, like I talked with Mike this afternoon after my column posted, uh, Mike has talked with John Forslund and they had a good conversation. And there's a, you know, a heartfelt bond there that goes back many years. And and this is not easy for him. And not to mention, on top of all of that, he makes his TV debut calling games from a monitor. I know, right? (laughs) You're impossible to do well. But at least they'll be at PNC Arena. A A couple of things I want to address uh, because we feel very similarly about this. So I'm going to be, I'm going to, uh, be pretty quick here. 
and I've said this I don't know how many times, uh, as much as we loved Chuck, Chuck's legend was at after 39 years or 38 or whatever it was, um, his legend was probably better than the product on the radio. Uh, John, while doing the games on television, and I really I don't want to disparage Chuck because Chuck is a, is a Hall of Famer for a reason. Uh, John, I thought, made the product better. Um, and, and maybe it's because he's got trip with him and Chuck was tasked with doing everything by himself. Chose um, to do everything. Chose to do everything by himself. Let's, no, I, I totally yeah. get it. No, I'm, just, I'm with you. I'm just saying, you know, let's not paint this as like they wouldn't let Chuck have a color guy. I mean, Chuck, right. Chuck had a way of doing things. It worked for him. He was going right. to keep on doing it until they kicked him out the door, which they ended up doing. So we, the, the, the radio broadcast was actually really good with John because he does hockey play-by-play on television that's a little bit more descriptive than you see most TV guys do. And to trip credit, he adapted the way he called games. Because I listened to a lot of games on the radio, like going to and from basketball games back right. when sports were a thing. And <laughs> and so I did spend a lot more time listening first to Chuck and then Johnny uh, and, and Trip than most people uh, in the media. I mean, because you know they would you know if you if you plug in your earphones at the arena, you get the TV broadcast and all this yeah. in the into the tables where we sit. And obviously fans who, who in the old days would bring their transistor radios would, would listen to Chuck. Um, but I listened to a lot of Chuck and I agree. Sometimes it, I mean, the guy's a legend. He had his own way of doing things. I love the guy, him too. Um, but he could be hard to follow at times. And I think he would say that, you know, that was just part of his call and that's right. fine. We all kind of do that. Um, but I really enjoyed listening to Johnny and Trip on the radio. And I thought they both did a really good job of modifying little in little ways what they did. I know they both gave it a lot of thought that it was very intentional. Something we talked about Trip and I, especially a lot about, you know, when the replays up, you can't just circle things and, and point at them. You know, you, you have to talk your way through it. And and yeah. I think they both did a really good job of that. So I'm sorry. I can't remember what your original no, so, so jumped in there. The, the broadcast, I understand what they did with Chuck. Um, they were losing money on the radio broadcast. Uh, John and Tripp did an amazing job. I agree with Tom Dundon's bottom line uh, approach to this is that, yes, the team is the draw. People will tune in if the team is good. When the team wasn't good, the ratings were really bad. When the team got better, the ratings got better. Uh, are they are they top of the league? No. We have market forces that deal with that, right? But, but the, people watch the games on television – uh, but but the broadcaster doesn't bring people in. I'm not. People don't go. Well, I gotta go home and listen to John. I don't know who the Canes are playing. They're gonna talk about. I'm gonna go watch the Canes. You know. It, and if there if there is a bump because of the broadcaster, it's probably minimal. But that isn't even the point to me. When Tom took over at the first press conference, he talked so much about uh, fan service and the fan experience. And he was talking specifically about the arena. But what what percentage of your fans are A, season ticket holders, or B, attend 10 games a year even? And I would say that number is pretty small, which means the majority of your fans connect through the broadcast on TV. Yeah. And that is fan service too. And I think it's short-sighted uh, to basically tell those fans that, they don't matter as much. You know, yeah, I, I, I don't know that that's the message. I agree with your point. I think the message is basically we are going to do the minimum in certain areas. I think what gets lost in the sort of financial appraisal of broadcasters is, you know, as we talked about a little earlier, in a lot of ways, they're more your point of contact with the cup with the public with the people with, you know, nobody holds the vacuum sucking the money out of fans' pockets more than the TV play-by-play guy. And number two is the, is the color guy. Right. Because they're, you know, and, and that's not asking them to be shills, but they are almost every fan's primary point of contact with the team. Mm-hmm. You know, they see Brenda Moore after the game on when they show the post-game press conference. Maybe they see a clip or two from the players. Maybe they go to the, the radio thing at Backyard Bistro. 
maybe they show up at a practice a couple times a year. Maybe they, you know, get to go in the tunnel and get an autograph after a game. But the vast majority of their interactions with everything about the team occur through the television broadcast. And you can say, well, they're going to watch it anyway, as Dundon has said, or yep. is acting like he said. I think there is a tremendous amount of added value you get from having someone as trustworthy, yeah. as honest, as credible, as smooth, as professional, uh, and and with the franchise's best interests in mind, even when he gets grumpy about stuff, he's still doing it. With he believes, I mean, it takes one to know one. He right. still believes he's doing it because it's in the best interest of the team. Mm-hmm. And that's like, you know, people say, Luke, oh, you're, 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 you're so hard on the Hurricanes. You know, because I have high expectations for this franchise, it's my job to hold them to that yep. and not give them a free pass. So on something like this, I'm going to say they lowball John. I'm not going to be like the guy out there saying, well, they couldn't come to terms on a contract. It's too bad. That's not what happened here. And I've made it very clear, as, as have you, that this is not a contract dispute. It's a contract being imposed upon someone. And that person basically saying, I, I won't, or in John's case, I can't because of the reduction in the money coming in. I can't do this. So, you know, my, my argument would be, and Dundon and I had this conversation at, at, at one point during this process. Yeah. You know, how are you sure you're not missing out on the extrinsic value you get from having someone like John Forsland in that role? And his feeling was, and I'm not speaking out of school here, he said this publicly, people are going to watch. Right. They come to watch the team and we are going to spend money. I am going to spend money to make the team better. I am going to spend $5 million to buy a first round draft pick, which he's done. Six million. Whoever it was. You know, <laughs> Hurricanes went and Patrick Marlowe. The same joke we both made. But, but, Martin, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing sinister. Uh, uh, there's nothing hidden about this. Right. They basically placed a value on John Forslund, what he means to this franchise, that you and I and a lot of people would disagree with. But in the end, they were right about Chuck. Yeah. They were. Whether people like it or not, Chuck was ridden off into the sunset and nobody blinked. Like literally two months later, it, 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 it was just, that was it. This is right. the radio now. And that nobody, true. once in a while, and, and, and this is not, not, I'm not criticizing Chuck in any way. I'm just talking about the dynamics of the way that happened. Once in a while you hear someone say, oh, I miss Chuck, but it just, it's out of sight, out of mind and people go on with their lives. I find that hard to believe that that will happen to the same degree with Forslund again, because when Chuck left, you had Johnny to step in and nothing against Maniscalco, uh, who I love, but there's a, you know, he's a first time hockey play by play guy. He's not future hall of famer, John Forslund. So, you know, and he knows that like, right. Mike's going to run his own race here. Um, and, 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 and God bless him for it. Like he knows, he knows what he's doing and he knows what he's in for and, you know, mentally speaking, he's as prepared as he can be for a very difficult assignment. Um, but I just don't know that they've placed the correct value on the cost benefit of losing John Force. I, I mean, personally, I think they haven't placed the correct value because I do think it is like it. it's not a half million dollars that they're saving. It, it, I think I don't know what John earns. I kind of know what the offer was. Uh, and I will term it like this to use a to uh, twist the phrase from the Godfather. Uh, he was made an offer he couldn't accept. I mean, yes. literally could not accept. Uh, and Chuck was made an offer that he couldn't accept two years ago or three years ago now uh, because that's the outcome they wanted. And in my opinion, this is the outcome that they wanted. Yeah, um, I, you know, I'll disagree with you a hair on Chuck. I think the offer they made to Chuck, relatively speaking, was more realistic than the one that they made to Forsland, in the sense that there were more opportunities for Chuck to make up the revenue that he was losing if he so desired. Now, 
from Chuck's perspective, that was still unacceptable, and that's fine. I mean, I'm he not would have had to have done that. things that he did not want to do to make up that revenue, though. Yeah, and the the point was kind of with that was look, if if people love you as much as you say they do, you'll have no problem doing that, whether that's true or not. Is, <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, whether right. whether he would have no trouble doing it, just for simple economic reasons, not because people don't love him, but that was basically telling him to calling his bluff on people will lose their ish if, if you fire me. And they were like, okay, you know, and, and, you know, it, I'm not saying it was a great deal, but there's none of that in this Forslund deal. This is a very draconian low upside. Yeah. Offer. I mean, there's, you know, you, you would have to stay out of the goodness of your own heart, which to be fair, is kind of what trip decided. Yeah. You know, he kind of looked into the abyss and said, you know, I'm not, I don't have the opportunity to go to NBC. I, I don't have the opportunity to go to Tampa, potentially. I don't have the opportunity to go to Seattle, potentially. I don't have John Forslund's stature. If I turn down this offer, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do next. Right. John knew he was going to work the playoffs, you know, so it, it becomes a, it becomes a little bit, you know, and, and, and I like, same thing with Trip. Trip's got to run his own race. Taking that deal was the right move for Trip. It was not the right move for Johnny. And I think everyone who knows him understands that and respects that. All right, let's talk a little bit about the team, Luke DeCock. From, there's uh, a team. There's, there's there, more there's than a team. Yeah. And we've got games in 13 days from when we're talking about this, although 13 days from right now, the Hurricanes and the Capitals will be uh, long done with their exhibition. Uh, it is a Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, the last two, of course, uh, if necessary, against the Rangers. It starts August 1st at noon. Let's start with the obvious and the blue line. Um, when the uh, when the pause happened, we hadn't seen Sammy Votnin put on a skate. Uh, he hadn't really scanned practice with the team. Uh, Dougie Hamilton was still probably a month away uh, from a potential return. Brett Pesci had just had surgery. Um, and it was kind of makeshift, but they were making it work. And now you look at the blue line and you go, how do they choose six? Because it's a pretty deep blue line with NHL players. It is. I, I think, you know, some of the decisions are obviously easy. Well, yes. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Someone texted me last night and said, what would your top six be? All right. And let's hear it. What's that? Let's hear it. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, the, the, the two obvious ones, Shea, Edmondson. I'm already forgetting someone because I've skipped over the second it, pair. It, it is, it's Slavin and Hamilton up top. Right. Those right. are the two obvious ones. Shea. Do you have Brady Shea and Sammy Votnin as a, uh, as a pair? I do not. Hold on a second. I, I'm, an, I'm an idiot because I'm just – You can fill in. I have Slavin and Hamilton going to play together. Slavin and Hamilton, Shea, Edmondson. Oh, I only gave him four. Oh, we were doing top four. No wonder. And, uh, and I, you know, if Van Riemsdyk can play the way he played in the playoffs last year, um, to me, he's in the top four ahead of Edmondson. Uh, but I do have Shea in the top, in the top four. Um, you know, Vatanen, I, I don't know that I would necessarily use him right away. I'd kind of hold him in reserve. Um, okay. just because he have he doesn't have the experience with this group, whereas the okay. others, um, whether it's Flurry or, 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 or Gardner or whoever, you know, do have the experience of playing with these guys. You know, I do think one, one interesting part of this is what the time off will do to Jake Gardner, who just, you know, had such a, a snake bitten at times and some of the damage was self-inflicted, but some of it wasn't, um, you know, like just the, the opportunity to take a step back clear your head and come back now in a situation where you are comfortable with this team. I mean, for a lot of these new guys, it's almost like a second season, right? Um, maybe not for Shea and Trocek, but you know, for some of the other guys, it's almost like you're coming back to a group, you know, now, I think that's going to be a huge advantage for Gardner. Um, you know, and obviously the, you know, the, the chance to get Dougie back changes everything, but it's interesting because we talked about this earlier during the, the, the pause you know, they had really just hit their stride in no. the post post Pesci era, um, kind of in Detroit. And, 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 it, and we're, we're just starting in that sort of the three or four games leading up to that that week. 
we're just starting to kind of regain a mentality and doing it without two of their top three defensemen, um, you know, had figured out this is the team we are. This is the team we're going to be for the foreseeable future. Uh, and then they, everything shuts down and now they have Hamilton back. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic uh, in that way a little bit, because I think you and I would both agree that for the first four months of the season, this team really lacked the identity that it had a year ago, the scrappiness, the tough to play against. It had more skill, a little less grit, yeah. um, a little, little softer at times, mentally and physically, especially without Williams. Uh, and then Williams came back and there was an adjustment. And then, you know, you lose Hamilton and there's an adjustment and you lose Pesci and there's an adjustment, you know, everything kind of steamrolls on you. And then just when you start to get it figured out, everything shuts down. So we were talking about, Top six, but I think the, the the long way around to that question is, I'd stick with the ones that brung me to start um, before I, I worried about working in a a Vatanen or okay. you know, even yeah yeah even even to a certain extent flurry, you know I would I would I would go with with the other the other six to start and see where that goes Van Van Riemsdyk and Gardner because I I I want to see what Gardner has right now before I start looking at other people. Uh, Jake, Jake had a, a tough, uh, first, what, four months of the season, October, November, December, January, really tough, but he was starting to play much better in February. And I really thought, uh, look, he's not a defensive defenseman. He, you're, you're not using, uh, Jake Gardner to kill penalties. Uh, or in the third period. <laughs> right. I almost non-existent, but he really had started to hit his stride offensively and the vision looked like it was be better. And I don't know, I have not been to a practice yet, but what I have been told from people uh, who have watched practice very closely uh, is that he seems a bit quicker. Uh, and Well, he's also further removed from some really bad injuries. A back injury uh, which really robbed him two years ago in Toronto. Yeah. So, so I, you know, to me, his situation is a little similar to Dougie's last year where that kind of defenseman who's going to take a lot of risks – yeah, take a little while to feel his way through a new team because you're going to take risks you used to take with your old team and turn around and the guy's not there or you're going to make a play and nobody's expecting it. But by January and February, as it was the case with Dougie, also getting healthy helped him too. Yes. You know, all of a sudden now you know where guys are going and guys know where you're going. And if you jump in, they're expecting it. And if you make this play – they're expecting it. And if this guy goes this way, you know where to, 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 to send the puck. I, I think there was a little of that I agree going on late in the aborted season with Gardner. So that's why, you know, people are, are kind of, some people are kind of writing him off. Uh, you know, I've seen basically saying like, well, now they've got, you know, these five guys ahead of him. They don't have to play Gardner. I want to see Gardner and with some well, serious ice time because if he can do it, then he's a huge asset. Absolutely. He's good. He's going to play. I mean, right now, Hamilton's going to quarterback the first power play unit, and it's probably Gardner on the second one. If it's not Gardner, it's probably Vatanen. So I think I think we're going to see Sammy Vatanen play in the top six. Uh, and if he's healthy, he's really a top four defenseman anyway. Um, and we'll see. I mean, it just becomes how does he blend with the group? Uh, but really, there are no bad options there. You mentioned Hayden Fleury and you mentioned Trevor Van Reeves. Like, real quick on Fleury, um, the last six weeks of Hayden Fleury was whether it whether he plays at all the rest of the uh, the rest of the year, whether he plays in the qualifying series and when the Hurricanes win the Stanley Cup, he may never play a game in the playoffs. Um, but I think he's proven that he's an NHL defenseman. Now, how far up the ladder in terms of where he slots on a team, including this one, remains to be seen. But I do think that he's proven to be an NHL defenseman. Uh, and if he played with a little bit more, I'll use to use the word snarl, um, I think it would do him some good because I think he's got that big body. Uh, but some people are just not kind of conditioned mentally uh, to be a jackass on the ice. I wish he played more like a jackass uh, because he would. Be, I think he would be a little bit more effective defensively because he's got a big body and he's a good athlete. You know, we get caught up in that sometimes, you know, you meant, you know, you look at him and oh, you know, he should, he should be more physical. He should play tougher. He should play with more of a snarl, more of an edge. And I think back to Brett Hedekin's career when he was in Florida and, and other places, 
you know, everyone looked at the way he skated. It was like, oh, he should he should be a power play guy. This guy has to be, you know, he should be an yeah. offensive defenseman. And and he wasn't. He was he was like he was a he was, you know an unbelievable skater, obviously. Yeah. But he wasn't a he was never going to be a big point producer. And when he came here, you know, they basically told him, don't worry about offense. Just go play. You know, we're gonna we're gonna pair you with Nikki Walleen or Mike Commodore or whatever. You know, like. Just go out and play. Don't worry about putting up points. You're not going to have to quarterback a power play unless, you know, you you, you, you you do it and it goes well. But that's not expected of you. And he slotted in for the rest of his career as a dependable one-and-a-half-way puck-moving but not offensively-minded right. defenseman who was really, really good in his own end because he was so smart and could move so quickly. And he was never going to be a physical guy. But he played a game. We he'd still, you know, he could throw his body around. But he played a game very modern, focused on skating with the puck and moving it quickly in positional defense, and was great at it. Just was a legit top three to four NHL defenseman for many, many years. And despite some pretty bad injuries, and I think that's where eventually someone, whether it's the Hurricanes or someone else, is going to have to get to with Hayden Florida. He looks like he should be one kind of player, but. That's not in his DNA, I don't think. Right. I think he's a good skating, decent size, but not overly physical, top six defenseman who's going to be a, a third-pairing guy on a good team and a second-pairing guy on a bad team. Yep. And that's that's fine. Just because he went in the top ten doesn't mean he has to be Scott Niedermeyer. Right. They took, a, they took him because they thought he was a safe pick. And he turned out to be a safe pick. He is an NHL defenseman, but he's not an all-star. He's not, at this point in his career, going to win a Norris Trophy. He's a solid, reliable, third-pairing guy who maybe, at some point in his career, jumps to the second pairing and maybe just on bad teams, maybe on good teams. And, and that's fine. You just, yeah. like anyone else, you have to know your role. And I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm just saying... I think that's what's going to end up happening with him. He's not a superstar. He's an adequate, serviceable NHL defenseman. And that's fine. Yeah. You know, those guys don't exactly grow on trees. It's a shame you use a top 10 pick on a guy because there are certain players you only get in the top yeah. 10 of the draft. But we don't need to sit here and discuss Ron Francis's drafting philosophy. It was a disaster. We all know it. And that's fine. Well, you'd rather have uh, Noah Hannafin? You wouldn't rather have Noah Hannafin than Zach Wierenski? Or? You know, I actually, I don't have a problem with the Hannafin pick. Like, of all of all of the things. Charlie McAvoy, right? You know, that that's <laughs> the one to me that made the most sense at the time. Where they could get Hannafin, to me, that was a no-brainer. And it just, you know, it did, he didn't right. turn out to be as good a player as some of his peers. Um, and maybe that's why he dropped. And other teams saw that, and the Hurricanes didn't. But I didn't have a problem. You know, if you told anyone before the draft you could get Noah Hannafin at that point on a franchise that desperately needed some defensive prospects, you know, I think I think that made sense. You know, it's it's some he yeah. played before he was ready too, and that is a sure, sure. That was a, just like Elias Lindholm played before he was ready. Uh, I think we're seeing Lindholm really is a top six NHL two way uh, two way forward. I still think. Uh, will be better suited to play uh, play the middle. Let's talk a little bit about the forward group before we let Luke Takak go. Uh, uh, and, and let's just, before we move on from Lindholm, sure. that may be a player for whom a change of scenery was needed to get that out of him. And that's not necessarily criticism. Sometimes you need that wake-up call to right. be like, you know, hey, they weren't going to give me the contract I wanted. I'm going to go show it to him and prove it. And then he played his, you know, really – came out of the gate playing his best hockey in Calgary for a coach who by all appearances, he did not, had not particularly gotten along with to that point. So. No, uh, my understanding, and you probably have heard the same thing is that um, Elias Lindholm desperately wanted to play for Rod Brindamore. Uh, the contract said otherwise, and he wasn't going to play here because he wasn't going to get the contract he wanted from Carolina. Uh, but I think the change of scenery was really the change of head coach. And then the head coach followed him there. Uh, and I felt bad for Elias when I when uh, when that whole thing went down. I mean, I don't know how bad you can feel for the guy. It was basically, look, if you don't take our contract off, right. which we think is a fair offer, we're going to ship you to Calgary to play for Bill Peters. <laughs> and they both 
Lynn Norman Hamilton were like, nah, you won't do that. And literally right. the next day, Tom Dougie Hamilton's coming here and they're going to Bill. I, I disagree with him what it, with what he's done with Forsland, but Tom Dundon hasn't screwed up too many things. He messed up the Ajo situation. He understands that. Uh, I hope it won't happen again with Andrei Svechnikov. Oh, we were going to uh, end up there eventually, but, weren't we? But it well, we, we don't have enough time to talk about that, but I worry about that. I absolutely worry that he's going to screw that up too uh, because I don't know that he's learned that lesson. Um, all right. We could talk about Justin Williams all day. We'll talk about Justin Williams another time. Um, but sometimes I'm gonna. I, I want to look at this particular situation. Uh, they haven't played since uh, March 10th as an extended All Star break for a second. How many times in every sport do we see a player struggle in the first half? The All Star break hits probably best suited in baseball, right? All Star break hits, and then the second half completely different player. Is it possible that maybe Nino Niederreiter or even Ryan Dezingle could be difference makers in this part of the season when they really – Nino played okay. Ryan really struggled after a halfway decent start. Um, but if those guys can be contributors, now all of a sudden you're talking about three offensive lines uh, and a team that really has something to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's possible. I think it needs to happen for the Hurricanes to be the team that they were last year, um, at least one of those two guys. I mean, Nino was such a big part of last year's second half, and even into the playoffs when he wasn't scoring necessarily, mm-hmm. he was still doing some of the things that made him successful. And I think at times this year he, he has, and other times he's lost his game. Um, there's no question about it. And and, and obviously the, there's the history there in Minnesota of him sort of just – losing the thread at times and, and, and kind of not being able to get it back. Um, but there's also a history of him getting hot mm-hmm. and getting the job done. And I, and I think that's certainly possible. You know, my, my, my question with Zingle is I'm just, I've never really understood and maybe he's never really understood. What is his role on this team? Where does he fit? You know, he's always felt to me a little bit like, um, like a DH playing on an NL team. <laughs> you know, you kind of got to find well, in the old days, you kind of got to find your, your every time, every place you put him, it just feels a hair off. You know, there's never that it's, it, it's never that natural fit, you know, like um, you're always like, oh, I guess we'll put him in left field and hope no one hits it there. You, like you do with, with the, the DH, you accidentally ended up with in the NL. And, and that, I don't necessarily think that's a reflection on him. I, you know, I think that's a reflection just kind of on the makeup of the hurricanes and some guys are going to play together. So yeah. they're out of the equation for who you play with. Obviously don't even need to say who. Um, and other guys are going to play like really well with Jordan Stahl because that's going to be a slightly slower moving line. It's going to be, and, and it's going to be just a different kind of game. And I feel like he's just, he's been tried with a few different guys and moved around and they just haven't been able yet to find that spot where everyone he feels comfortable and everyone feels comfortable with him there. And again, that's not necessarily a reflection on him or his game. Although there have been times obviously where he did seem to struggle regardless. Yeah. Um, uh, there's no doubt about that, but it'll be interesting to see now with this gap and then Trocek now kind of an old guy to have played all seven games, you know, whether they can kind of use this extended, I mean, this is an extended training camp. Like, you know, you don't go two weeks without playing a preseason game normally like that's a lot of practices without hitting someone you don't know and it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of find a spot for zingle to a certain extent figure out who's going to fit best with trocek because he's a little bit of a different kind of a center too Mm -hmm. you know you've got three very different styles of center on this team in some ways um and you've got to find the guys who are going to fit in each of those trios it's not just as simple as moving pieces around as it as it was say in you know, in 06, you know, where you had Stahl and Brindamore. I mean, I guess there's a little bit of a comparison there to Stahl and Brindamore where the Stahl line was going to be a little zoomier and the Brindamore line, you know, was going to be a little, maybe a better thing to say was, oh, two, you could kind of move some of the same pieces around with Ronnie and Roddy um, and Big Joe because they were all kind of playing the same kind of game, maybe not skill-wise, but, you know, in terms of temperament and mentality. So 
Um, you know, I think both those guys, I mean, certainly they have the potential to be really impactful players. I'm not sure the Hurricanes have gotten that out of them yet, in Nino's case, recently. Um, some of that's on them and some of that's on Roddy to kind of figure out the best ways to use those guys. And he's certainly tried a number of different things to get Nino going and, and to get the most out of Zingle. But they need him. I mean, you can't carry those two guys through the playoffs and expect no. to have success. It, honestly, uh, it wouldn't surprise me at some point if one of them uh, was pulled out of the lineup if they're not playing well. Um, I don't know that Morgan Geeky is going to be part of the initial group, main group, uh, but Geeky didn't, lo- didn't look out of place in the two NHL games he played. Forget about the point and a half per game. Man, nobody expects that to continue. Uh, but he's a smart defensive player. Uh, he knows what he's supposed to do, where he's supposed to be. Uh, and he's a center, which is different because Jordan Martinook isn't really a center. Although I know that uh, my conversation with Rod uh, were like, he thinks that Martinook's best hockey this year was played when he was playing center. Uh, so I do think that initially in his mind, in Rod's mind, he'd probably start the uh, the qualifying series with Martinook centering the fourth line. I don't know who's going to be on his flanks. My guess right now is that it would probably be Dezingle and Brock McGinn. And uh, Rod will ask Ryan to earn his power play time uh, by being a uh, a really fast skating pest. Uh, yeah, that and might- that's 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 a fair ask, you know, yeah. to, to ask a guy to do that. Um, yeah, you know, I, I I remember Geeky's first development camp, and I remember thinking, you know, this kid has the head and the hands, you know, to play in the league yep. unquestionably at that age. You know, is he? Is he going to either A, become a better skater, or B, find a way to, to make better use of his, his head and hands? And I, I give him a lot of credit for developing, getting getting better. I mean, his skating is better. He's still not ever going to be an elite skater, but it's better. Um, and he's right. figured out ways to make himself effective. And I think, I don't know that he's, you know, a top six forward in the long term, but I think he's the kind of guy you know, who can make your team better in whatever role he's in, whether that's on the third line or the fourth line. And maybe he does develop into a, you know, a better player, but he was one of those guys who you watch as a young player, you know, some, some you don't, but you watch him and said, this kid isn't there, but man, does he have a chance? And so, you know, obviously no one expected him to have 14 points in two games like he did, but you know, the, the, the initial success and the earning that opportunity didn't come as a surprise to a lot of people, certainly anyone who was paying attention when he was 19. All right, final question, uh, and you could just give me a, uh, a one-word or two-word answer. Uh, on August 1st at noon uh, or 11.30, whom do you expect to skate out into the hurricane's crease? I will keep this answer short because I know I've been, my, most of mine have been too long. No, if it were me, yes, it would be Reimer. Okay, because I think he's been the most consistent over the course of the season. And I thought later in the year, I thought you knew what you were getting from him. It may not be as good as Peter's top, but right. you knew what you're going to get. I think Roddy will go with Morazic because I think he's a Morazic guy at heart. You saw that last year in the playoffs. And I think he thinks their best chance to win is going to be Peter Morazic at his best. Right. His I would I would start top end with, is the best. Yeah, I would I, I I feel like the way that 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 Reimer played over the last stretch of the season that was played, he had really reached a level of consistency that maybe wasn't as good as Morazic can be, but gave you a better chance to win on a given night sometimes. I'm actually um, surprised that you didn't say David Ayers, to be honest. <laughs> but he's not on the roster, so he's not eligible. I, I, I thought about Ned. Ned's going to get his chance someday. Ned will get his – he's earned it. I'm with you. Point of the camera. I'm with you. Um, is By the way, do, you, do, do we know if Ayers is the emergency goalie? In, in Toronto, Toronto for the playoffs? Uh, I don't know if he's inside or outside the bubble. He may oh. only be allowed in the building to Zamboni the ice when there's no one else in there. If teams are carrying, I mean, Carolina's got four goalies on the roster, so I'm sure they won't they, – they, 
they should be allowed. I think the NHL should allow you to just basically go down your roster at that. Point. I'm sure they will. They, they do not want an errors repeat in the playoffs as dramatic, no. as entertaining as that was. Um, but it is an interesting thought. David Ayers, because of his job, is potentially in the bubble, working in the building. And, if, you know, if teams are practicing at the exhibition, whatever it is, uh, it would be fascinating to, like, see David Ayers giving the Hurricanes pregame speeches before playoff games. That is phenomenal. Luke DeCock, columnist, sports editor, news and observer, at Luke DeCock on Twitter. I thank you so much, man. Yes, no, this is always fun. It's like what we normally do during intermissions. But That's right. Get to work. That's right. Uh, shout out to Paul Kropelka, who sometimes we chat with. By the way, you knew this. Uh, we're sponsored by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina tonight. Wow. Assistant yeah. General Manager Paul Kropelka. That's, that, 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 that is true. Uh, I hope he comes back because I love talking to Paul. His accent is... Uh, He's back. He's back. That was, that's, that's one thing. There's the one essential personnel that they did get done. They got, they got, which is only fair. I mean, he literally negotiated every contract and kept the Charlotte checkers afloat when they were like losing like four goalies a week. And by the way, he's responsible for Rick DiPietro's contract. Yeah. And all of Bates Pataglia's contracts, which look much more miraculous in retrospect. Aluminum company of North Carolina on Hamlin road in Durham. I appreciate them. I appreciate you, Luke DeCock. I appreciate it. And we'll, uh, we'll do it again. All right, bud. All right. You can go. I'm gone. I'm going to wrap it up. All right. Uh, I want to thank Luke DeCock. I want to thank uh, Michael LaBeouf from the Action Network. Again, thanks to our friends at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. It all gets underway. This went long. I did not realize how long this was. Um, I don't I don't agree that Luke's answers were too long. He saved me the trouble. Uh, Saturday, August 1st, noon. Monday, August 3rd, noon. Games 1 and 2 against the Rangers. Hurricanes designated the home team in those games. Tuesday, 8 o'clock at night. Uh, that'll be the one that wraps up the series for Carolina. But if they need games 4 and 5, they are Thursday and Saturday. And those game times and networks for everything are um, still yet to be determined. Uh, Fox Sports Carolinas will have the exhibition game against Washington on Wednesday at 4 o'clock. That's August 29th, I believe, or July 29th. Uh, and it'll be Mike Maniscalco doing play-by-play. Uh, shouts to Mike. Uh, I wish him the absolute best. He's got a tough job uh, slotting in behind John Forslund. Trip Tracy will be alongside, uh, and they worked together during the entire Islanders series on radio last year, uh, so uh, in good hands. And congratulations to Abby Labar, uh, who will get an opportunity to do uh, interviews in the playoffs, and I think she's going to do a great job. Oh, by the way, just this just in. Uh, I, I, I mistitled Luke columnist. That's it. Just columnist and a great one at that. Uh, so I wanted to get that right. I wanted to, uh, Luke has chimed in on, uh, he texted me. All right, we got to go. Uh, thank you very much for everything. And we'll see you next week on the Canes Corner podcast. Bye. You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sports Fan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Canes Corner Podcast. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.